welcome this morning. It's good to be gathered together in the Advent season. Today marks the first day that we celebrate Advent, and you can reference in your bulletin this morning, there should be a outline of how you can do this at home as well. I encourage you to do this. Be purposeful about the season. Don't let the season brush by. Don't get to uh, December 29th and say, wow, that was chaotic. That was crazy. You command your season. And so take the times to be intentional today. Uh, As we get into the Word of God and we start with our first focus on Advent, it is hope. It is hope. Now many of you hope that I never use an accent again. Well, hope is the expectations of things we, we desire earnestly to be realized. You get your wish. You're just getting straight jair this week. No Angus wee, wee noggin. So, uh, and, and if you're wondering what that's all about, you can reference, because I know all of you want to go watch that all over again, but it, it'll be up at some point on the, uh, on the server. Let's focus this morning on this concept of hope and the gift of hope for Christmas. The gift of hope. The Greek word for Hope here is, oddly enough, el peace. That's how you say it, el peace. But let me give you the definition here. It's a word that's translated best with the idea of joyful anticipation. Joyful anticipation. And this morning, uh, we'll see one of our families come up and, and light the first candle of Advent in the focus of hope. And then we'll see peace, then we'll see joy, then we'll see love. And then the center candle will be lit on, uh, I believe, the 23rd of December uh, to commemorate the coming of the Christ child. Advent literally is Latin for the word coming, which is the anticipation, right? It's the anticipation of something better. And so this morning, I hope that the Word of God speaks to your soul. Everything else in our life is so material. And yet, what is driven? The immaterial drives the material. If we do not give health to our soul, everything else breaks down. And so when we start with the idea of hope, by the end of today, we'll look at this gift of hope and see how important it is. And I hope I make the argument from Scripture that hope does not disappoint. That hope does not disappoint. Let me read the Scripture this morning out of a very uncommon passage. I don't think I've ever heard this passage referenced for Christmas. So let me give you, give you this passage this morning. Romans 15, 12-13. And then a little bit later today we'll be in Romans 8, 19-25. Paul is writing to a church that is struggling with tradition. It's struggling with the ideas of of what it means to fully embrace Christ and the hope that is in Christ. 
And here he's wrapping up the letter and he takes time to go back and embrace the tradition that they're trying to hold on but reconcile with this whole new idea of who Christ is and the freedom in Christ. And Paul does an eloquent job of reconciling these ideas. The idea of the law, Jehovah, and who Christ is now as the promised one. And so listen to uh, what he says to this body of believers. And it's, it's, it's a salutation of sorts. And so he's quoting from the Old Testament and he says starting in verse 12, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Now when we think about prophecy from the Old Testament, when we think about Isaiah, we're mostly thinking of the message that came to the Jews, and yet even Isaiah spoke on a prophetic level that those who had not the covenant yet with Christ, a little bit later today, we'll celebrate a better covenant. Isaiah gives reference to this hundreds of years before Christ is born. It's a message of hope. And so Paul wants to remind those that want to hold to the Old Testament, wants to hold to the Law and the Prophets. He says, even one of your prophets is saying that Jesus Christ, from the root of Jesse... He will be the hope for the Gentiles as well. He continues on, verse 13, and it's a salutation. Here's where we hear the beauty of the salutation that we walk with today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You almost have the complete Advent series right there in that first section of, chapter, of verse 13. But he goes on to say, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This morning we had a great class in ABF. Uh, Brother David is teaching on the Holy Spirit. Started the first part of the series. I encourage you, be there. Nine o'clock next week. It's, it's a very exciting and lively class. I'll demonstrate that real quickly. Rowena, did you enjoy the class this morning? Fantastic. She's like, oh no, don't call on me. No, it was a simple question. Um, and Victoria, you were here this morning. You've been here for a very long time. And, and how did you feel about the class? Enlightening. 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 So the idea that hope through the Holy Spirit, we can abound in hope because of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise. This is a promise. Brothers and sisters, we get so enamored with the material that we forget about the immaterial. And yet it is the immaterial, it is our soul, it is our spirit that drives everything that we do on any given day. How effective are you at work is very often connected to how is your soul. How you are in your relationships is very often connected to how you are in your what? In your soul. We need to attend to the soul. And the, the coming of Christ Gives us so much, but during Advent we focus on four key components. All of these components speak desperately to the soul. They are elixirs for the soul. And so today we focus on hope. Let me read it one more time for you. He goes back and he's quoting Isaiah 
And, and you can just hear those who are in the Roman church uh, excited. And, and the traditionalists are like, Aha! Look, he's quoting our guy, Isaiah. And he says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. This is prophecy. The root of Jesse is going to be the hope for the nation of Israel. He will set his people free. The government will be on his shoulders. You know the passage? And so, you had me at Isaiah, says the, says the church. But what does Paul do? He pulls, a, he pulls a passage they weren't ready for. And the passage is actually, he's quoting Isaiah 11.10. And he goes on, the root of Jesse will come. Here's your promise. Here's the hope. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. What, Isaiah? Wait, let's back up just a second. I, I, I like that part where it says He'll rule the Gentiles. Because God ruling over those who are not of us, I kind of like that idea because then it's going to go down the way I want it to go down. Have you ever had prayers like that or anticipation like that? Yes, God. Teach my husband what he truly needs to know. That I know he needs to know. Right? It's kind of where they might land, but then he, he takes it over the cliff. In him will the Gentiles have what? Hope. Then he says, now that same God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing, speaking to the soul, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Are you abounding in hope today? Do you have joyful anticipation of later today, of this week, of the rest of your life? Woo! So, let's just keep going. And the Lord said, not me, I'm not saying it. Let me read this quote to you. It's a powerful quote. And it's a little bit all over the place, but it's just pulling from different essences of, of quotes on hope. It's not necessarily biblical until you get to the last point, which is a great way to finish. There is a natural hope and a spiritual hope. Of that natural hope, Benjamin Franklin said, he that lives upon hope will die fasting. Of that natural hope, Omar Kayman said, it is like snow in the desert. An anonymous writer said that hope is a quivering, nervous creature trying to be bright and cheerful, but alas, frequently sick, abed with nervous prostration and heart failure. Natural hope. And you may say to yourself, well, what is this natural versus it's that hope in the material versus the hope in the immaterial, brothers and sisters. This morning, we're trying to get a godly view of the gift of hope. The one that can truly feed our soul. Here's the end of the matter. Of that biblical hope, Hebrews 6.19 says, it is an anchor to the soul. It is an anchor to the soul. Hope comes from heaven. It is an anchor for our soul. It feeds the needs of the soul. Paul speaks to the Roman church to remind them that 
Isaiah prophesied there would be hope for the Gentiles, and it's going to come through the root of Jesse. When our focus is cast towards heaven, we are not disappointed. Paul describes God as the God of hope, and that we live by the power of the Holy Spirit so we might abound in hope. Are you not moved? So sometimes we'll hear all of this prophecy and we'll say, well, I don't know how that really applies to me. Sometimes we'll hear about this and, and, and we'll struggle to identify. Let me help you. Two weeks ago, uh, I spoke about giving. It was the second part of a two-part series, Thanksgiving. And as we moved through that, we got to a final question. And Brad was being very mindful about the time, which was very good and very prudent. And he said, I'm going to have to move to this. And I said, no, you got to stop because we got to hit this one question. You remember this? And it was all because I had brought a certain instrument. Does anybody remember what that was? It was a guitar. And I shared with you the provenance of that guitar in my life and how important that guitar was to me but that God had taught me some very valuable lessons about the material versus what God could utilize something that's material to enhance and give hope and abound in hope for the, what? The immaterial. And so I, I shared with individuals that this idea of sacrificial giving isn't just particular to what I, I sit down and I figure out, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give towards the fires over here. I'm going to uh, help out an individual over there. Um, I'm going to uh, send some money to a cousin who's in need. I'm going to uh, support uh, and be part of my local church family. I mean, it's not just so much that as it is all that God has blessed us with. How do we utilize that in the sense of hope? In the sense of hope. And so I shared that I just kind of came under the conviction that I didn't need something that could fetch. Watch a lot of Antiques Roadshow. Something that could fetch quite a bit of money on the open market, and I could go out and buy a, a cheaper guitar and give money towards our monument. And so I was just trying to make a demonstration of what it means to do sacrificial giving. Can I share with you why I'm abounding in hope today? It's just one illustration. By 2 o'clock that afternoon, I received a text from someone here saying that they wanted to purchase that guitar. And they were, they were thrilled to do it. And not only were they going to purchase that guitar, they wanted me to be able to keep it. Is that not the picture of redemption? I'm going to pay the price for you so that you can have what you initially were supposed to have in the first place under Christ. Can you imagine how I felt? Can you imagine the hope I have for where we're going as a church? Can you imagine how my soul was so greatly encouraged? Can you imagine how I sit in my living room chair and just stare at my guitar now every night? Does that inspire you? Well, get ready. 
because it happened again by 6 o'clock. It happened twice. Hope abounds. And just so you know, uh, we go three, four, five, six times on it. it, it, it the bidding's not closed. <laughs> I am inspired. We had a whole crew out here yesterday building a nativity. We had a great time. We were trying to figure out how are we going to do this with the rain. And so you should have seen the text line on Friday night, just figuring out, okay, when, when is the right time? We got out here right as the final sprinkles stopped. And we had great weather, and we, we were able to find all of, well, most of our wood from last year. And, and yet the Lord provided, and we just had a great time. And so we have this live nativity. I encourage you, go take pictures with your family on the 23rd, the morning of. We'll have the, well, you could picture next to a wise man or something, whatever you want to do. But a great idea for Christmas pictures. But while that was going on, we had a crew in here that was decorating all of this as well. Brothers and sisters, our hope is not in that. There could be a great storm tomorrow and all of that would, would fall down. Somebody could take it. This stuff, I don't know what's going on with the lights, but maybe there's an electrical short and it all burns up tonight. I don't know. But the message, the hope that cannot be defeated goes on because of the God of hope. Amen? And those things that I cannot control, I have no power over. God does these things. To his credit, it's a gift of hope. And our title of our message today is Hope Does Not Disappoint. So, let me break this down. The first one is heavenly focus. That's where we were this morning. The idea is that hope comes from heaven. Let's get things properly aligned as to where our hope comes from. Hope comes from heaven. And so the idea is heavenly focus. Let's keep our eyes focused on the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us focus on that which is not seen, but on that which is unseen. The second point today is opportunity knocks. Opportunity knocks. And let me read you another quote here. Christmas is the time of year when everyone wants his past forgotten and his present remembered. I'll say it one more time. The idea of opportunity knocks. Christmas is the time of year when everyone wants his past forgotten and his present remembered. There's such a spiritual depth to that. When we think about what was given to us from our Father, the gift that we could not control, the opportunity that was given to us, the opportunity that was given, as, as Isaiah is quoted, not just to the Jews in a new covenant, but to all men. Hope came to all men. Have you ever driven around places or you've seen people driving in cars that you wish you had that opportunity? Friends told you about where they vacationed or, or a concert they went to or restaurants they get to frequent or or that they have cable. Maybe tonight at 5 o'clock, opportunity will knock for a godly football team that has to play in Pittsburgh. My chargers will reign victorious on earth and in heaven. Opportunity 
knocks. Now, you, you all laugh at that, and some of you are sitting here thinking, I should probably go somewhere else. This guy just speaks blasphemy. Let me just share with you how many people will, millions of people will tune into that. How many people get excited about that? But do you know that Concord Boulevard is its quietest every Sunday morning? Because we hope in things that present very little to no opportunity. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and what? Knock. And if anyone opens that door, I will come in and I will be with him. I will dwell with him. Opportunity knocks. Because of the advent of Christ, the gift of hope, there's opportunity for the Gentiles, for all men. So next time you're looking at a neighborhood or a car or somebody else's lifestyle and you just say, I don't have those opportunities. But you have equal access to heaven. You and I have equal access to heaven. Opportunity knocks. So fast forward to Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. I'm still basking. I probably, actually I did. I'm not making this up. I was sitting in my flannels, had my uh, angel's hoodie on. I was looking really good. Hadn't brushed my teeth yet. You get the picture. I'm sitting there and the sun's coming in through the living room and and shining upon my beautiful golden guitar. And I'm just sitting there basking in the glory of, of all that God did this week. Right? Now my head's thinking about guitars. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Since I'm keeping it now, I need to go get new guitar strings. I'm like, well, I'm not really dressed for that. And I'm like, oh, forget it. Nobody's out on Wednesday. They'll be out on Friday. So I decided to jump in the car, throw on my slippers, jumped in the car, and I figured I'd get a really good deal with the kind of breath I had going. So I jumped in the car, and it was just starting to rain, all this beautiful rain that we've gotten. I'm at the left-hand turn lane to go into Guitar Center. On the right-hand side, there's a group of people standing at the, the island to cross over, and I notice a gentleman carrying a guitar case, a very expensive guitar case. I know this guitar case. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh. And I actually just was compelled to pray for this person. Because if somebody's walking in the rain with a guitar case, chances are really good they're going to Guitar Center not to get it worked on. They're going because they have to sell a guitar. So I'm inside and, and I'm standing where, where the strings are, which is a stone's throw away from the front counter, and, and in walks this gentleman, this young man, and I can hear him from where I'm standing I'm, I'm, uh, there's a theological term for it. My wife knows this. It's called ear hustling. Okay? And, uh, and so I'm sitting here looking at strings, trying to figure out what I'm going to get, and I can hear him, and sure enough, uh, he opens the case, and he says, I need to sell this. I just lost my job. And I'm just like, oh, man. The day before Thanksgiving? God. And so I did what every good Christian does, Hopefully. I'm standing there looking at these strings. I'm minding my own business, but I'm, I'm feeling very spiritual. So I just start praying over their circumstances, his circumstances. And uh, I've done my good, good work. I've done what I can do. 
but you see opportunity knocked. So when I walked out, he's sitting, because now it's pouring rain, he's sitting on the rounder outside underneath the eaves, and he's texting someone. And I'm looking, and I'm like, there's no way he could walk in the rain. And what's worse is I know what just happened. He came in with an expensive guitar, and they offered him pennies on the dollar. And so he got no answer. There was no hope. If you have to go to that point to try to sell something like that, it means the situation's probably pretty desperate. And so he had to walk away in that moment saying, I can't even get close to what I need. Otherwise, I would sell this guitar. So he's downcast. And I'm looking at him and saying, okay, Lord, what do I do? Well, the easy thing is meet their pragmatic needs, right? That's what Christ did. That's what Christ came for. He came for the spiritual needs, but he did that first through the pragmatic needs often. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, uh, do you have to walk somewhere? He goes, yeah, i, I, I got to walk home. I said, there's no way you're walking in this rain. I can give you a ride. And he did what most of us would do. You know, oh, no, no, that, that, that's okay. That's all right. I said, no, seriously, help, you know, it, it's not a problem. He said, well, it's pretty far away. I said, well, where'd you walk from? He said, DVC. So he had walked all the way from DVC because he has no car. And so eventually he said, sure. And uh, we traveled to his apartment, and he's married to a, a great gal, lost his job, and he's selling the guitar because they have to pay rent. And they're about to be kicked out because they need that money for rent. You can see where God's working, right? abounding in hope, opportunity knocking. And so, was able to start sharing you know, what I do, that I'm a pastor and that I'm from this area and, and moved up here about 12 years ago. And, and he said, well, where are you a pastor at? And right as I was about to say it, he said, Conquer Bible Church? I'm like, yeah. Turns out that he and his wife attended about three years ago, four years ago. And... As we move through the story, um, just the, the sequence of events as to where God led them and, and where they've been and, and where they are now. Um, he had two job interviews later that night um, that he was looking for, and, and it just became obvious what had to happen. And so I shared with him the story of what happened to me on Sunday with not just one person, but two people. That same Sunday, we sold our electronic drums as I hear the roar of excitement going up from the crowd. Uh, but not only did that person come by, they, they attended our services and heard the gospel message. And then we were able to get money for that on top of the fact uh, somebody uh, provided a donation this past week that's outside the general fund or general offering of $2,500 all in the same week. Do you think that's an accident? So I'm sitting here praying, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? Opportunity knocked. And so I told him the story of what happened for me, and I said, we're going to do the same for you. We're, I don't know what we're talking. We've got to talk reasonableness. <laughs> I don't know exactly what we're talking about, but I feel compelled that the Lord is saying, this was not an accident that I noticed you standing over here. This was no accident. It was no accident that you guys actually know us that you've been here before. And so I shared with him, and he's just blown away 
And I said, I'll talk to you later tonight and we'll get the details worked out, but I just want you to know we're going to come alongside you. And he's just blown away. But then he starts telling me all about the guitar and I'm thinking, wait a minute, something's not right here. I don't think he really understands what we're saying. And I said, no, no, just like what happened for me, we're going to come alongside, we're going to pay your rent so you can keep this guitar. It was a gift from his wife for their ninth, ninth wedding anniversary. And he just broke down crying in my car. Opportunity knocked. And as he was getting out of the car, the Lord spoke to me again and said, ask him about Thanksgiving. And I said, hey, do you have any plans for Thanksgiving? And he said, well, yeah, we have a turkey leg and some instant potatoes. So I said, hey, I go to a ridiculously large festive Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm going to call and see if there's two spots at the table. And, and my sister and her family opened that up. And these two, at the end of Thanksgiving night, said it was the best Thanksgiving they'd ever had. And just felt so loved. And hope was reestablished. Hope was abounding. By the way, when he got out of the car, I said, I'm fascinated to find out what Shane is going to think about this. He says, I'll tell you right now. Because when I walked out the door this morning, she said to me as I'm walking away, she says, God will provide. Opportunity knocks around us at all times. P in the word hope. Patience is required. Oh, yes, it is. Let's go to uh, Romans 8 as, as we're wrapping up this morning. And... This is where I initially wanted to preach from, uh, this idea of hope, because hope is tricky. You know, you can't, just like light, you can't know light without knowing what? Darkness. Right? Darkness gives definition to light. Light gives, the absence of light gives definition to darkness. Do you know that hope has that same relationship with pain? Initially, the P here, I was going to list as pain, but that was just too, too negative for this morning. I'm preaching on hope. I don't want one point to be pain. But the idea is taken straight out of the passage this morning, so let's go there. Romans 8, 19-25. Join me as I read this. And this is a prolific passage. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing, we'll get back to that in a little bit, for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the what? Pains of childbirth until now until the advent of Christ. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with what? Patience. That's the hardest part about hope. 
is the patience. You know, brothers and sisters, sometimes we don't have the patience to hope for the right things. We just barrel on ahead. And we're building false hope. And sometimes we've given up on hope because we feel hope has burned us. But let me give you an illustration why I think it's because we haven't been patient. Because we try to get out in front of God. We try to move ahead of God. Right? Work in construction down in the valley, San, uh, San Fernando Valley, Ventura Boulevard. Uh, I, I don't know, like early 90s. We're on a five-story commercial building, and we're building it you know, from the ground up, and it keeps going higher, keeps going higher. And so what do you, what do you have to have on the outside of a building in order to build it? Scaffolding. Scaffolding is the hope of every building. Why put up the scaffolding? There's nothing there. Hope is the evidence of things not what? Seen. I don't hear very many construction workers griping and complaining and saying, this is stupid. Why am I putting up this scaffolding? There's nothing here. They're putting up the scaffold because there's a great hope of what they will build. Do you see the spiritual parallels? So one day I'm on the roof and we're, we're lining and laser mounting uh, uh, walls, set walls, and I got to use the, the uh, what do you call that? The Johnny Mop? I don't know what you call those things. The, the bathroom. The, the thing, the blue box, whatever that thing is called. Yeah, the El Gumpo, whatever. And so I got to use it, and it's directly below me. Now I can walk all the way across the top of this building and go down four flights, or I could just scale down the scaffolding. Why are you laughing? Have you never scaled scaffolding? I figured, look, people have been walking all over this stuff. No problem. So I actually start climbing down the outside of the scaffolding. I'm 65 to 70 feet up. And uh, I put my foot on a crossbeam that um, some unmentionable worker who I hope is now in the nursing industry uh, never locked down. And it went boom, and I went boom. And by miracle of all miracles, around floor two, after floor three, where I had actually commenced my bathroom needs in free fall <laughs> somewhere around floor two after experiencing all that on floor three everything falling apart on floor four I was able to just reach out and grab a pole as I'm falling now that scaffolding was my only hope but let me just tell you we have to have patience because if we build a false hope it's going to come crashing down did I bring that one home? It's going to come crashing down. And so, so many of us build around false hope. And then we get disappointed and, and we, blame, we want to blame hope and say it's hope's fault, so I'm not, I'm not going to put myself in that position again. No. Patiently put yourself into the right situations where hope will be realized. Amen? So, 
Let me just finish the story of my good friend with the guitar. Because joyful anticipation is this definition of hope. Our attitude of hope is directly related to our response to suffering. Can you imagine for my, my friends that I met that day, the level of hope, the newfound hope that they have in the Lord? because of how he showed up, because of opportunity knocking, it gets better. They have no car. And uh, he writes to me the next day at 2 o'clock last Sunday after I've exhausted myself with the performance of a lifetime. (laughs) See? It was a comedy. And, and the text says this, Pastor Jeremy, I don't understand what's happening. Because at Thanksgiving dinner, they talked about this vehicle that somebody might have for them. And a long time ago, he had a great job and he had a Jeep and he loved his Jeep and it was incredible. And, and right now, he would take a tricycle. But there was somebody that had a Jeep that they weren't using that was talking about selling it to them, but they don't have... They don't have the resources. And so he texted me last Sunday afternoon and he says, I don't understand what's happening. Why is God blessing us so much? This person just gave us the car. Why is this happening? You got your inspiration tingles going yet? Because it gets better. I got another text at 8 p.m. Pastor Jeremy, I'm truly scared. Help. We went to Safeway and got just the essentials. Rice, soup, uh, a couple other things. And he said we were $19 short. And the checker noticed. And the checker who was the manager paid the $19 for us and said, God bless you. And he literally wrote, I'm truly scared. Why is God giving us so much favor? Because when you patiently put your trust and your hope in God, you eventually see His unmistakable hand at work. Lastly, Eager longing. You heard me borrow that, didn't you? In this passage, where the creation eagerly awaits the hope of Christ because we're suffering. Think of my friends that have no answers. He walked, I don't know, what is it, three and a half miles from DVC to Guitar Center in the rain, and he's completely dejected. And look at what God does. And look at what God did in in this situation where I just passionately believe that we've got to reach the masses and we've got to let people know driving by us all the time about this. He didn't just provide one person that went way above and beyond. He provided two people. And so eagerly I wait. The beautiful thing about Christmas, brothers and sisters, we don't have to wait for Christ to show up. He came. He came. He's here. And the evidences abound all around us. 
The reality for you and I is, do we abound in that hope, that gift of hope? Does hope disappoint? Is it like the scaffold? Not when hope is placed in the right things. The reality is we all suffer. We all have challenges and difficulties. My son had a difficulty early on in knowing proper lyrics to Christmas songs. I don't know which parent he got that from. But my wife overheard him one morning singing Christmas carols from his room. And she just kept listening and listening. And, and then she thought, wait a minute. I need to go check and see if he's got a speech impediment or if he just, who taught him this, this song? So she walks in the room, she's standing there just listening. He's got his back to her or something, I don't know. Right? So the lyric is, oh, come let us adore him. We all know that. But like so many of us who mistrue lyrics, my son, my son was singing, oh, come let us ignore him. So my wife had a great theological lesson for him. And our eager longing to see our son truly grasp the meaning of Christmas has been realized. The question here for you and I with this concept of eager longing is, do we want Jesus? There's no doubt that we all have things we suffer with, but the question for us is, a gift has been given, a gift that provides true hope that reaches to our soul. The question is, do we want it? You want to put some teeth to this point? Watch Christmas morning. Watch as you give gifts this season. Completely judge people you give gifts to. Your pastor's telling you to do it. I give you permission. Just, just you know, give them the gift and then just watch. <laughs> now you're all paranoid about how you're going to respond when you're given a gift. Do we eagerly want Jesus? Do we believe His advent provides hope against our suffering in our soul? You cannot hope for what you already have. Jesus brings a continual and daily and eternal restoration for our suffering of our soul. How great is the gift of hope? No matter where the suffering is, no matter what it surrounds, no matter what the details are, God gives us, through Christ, the ability to reach to the recesses, the crevices of the soul, and turn that over and let us rejoice. The question is, do we want it? Are we willing to experience, not just unwrap, many of us, we're good with unwrapping Jesus, but the reality is, do we want to really engage with Jesus and use that gift? You know, let me give some teeth to this point. I want you to go home and I want you to see all the different gifts you've got this past year. I want you to see if you're actually using them. I want you to see if you're using them. I consider this watch, I got this three years ago, I consider this one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten because every Sunday morning I set it for 25 minutes, and you don't know this, but it vibrates on my hand to tell me to shut up. <laughs> and I just keep disobeying it. <laughs> over and over and over. We're already at 42 minutes, but I'm wrapping up. So, Hope in Jesus Christ does not disappoint. Amen. Not if you truly know Jesus. Amen? Amen? Hope. The gift of hope. 
The reality is the hope of Jesus does not disappoint. Let me close in prayer. And as we continue in our worship this morning, we're going to start with our very first lighting of our candle. And as, uh, as I'm praying, I'm going to ask the Parkinson family to come up and participate in the lighting of the hope candle. Let's pray. Father, take this encouragement, this hope of Christ and let it speak to our soul. The gift of hope and the, the fact that hope in Christ never disappoints. We have to have a heavenly focus. We have to see that opportunity knocks when we partner with Christ, when we walk with Christ. We have to be patient as we wait for His timing. But Father, let us always be eagerly anticipating what Your Son is going to bring, what Your Son is doing, and how that involves us. Speak to us through this. In Your name, Amen.